Everyone has a story to tell. We connect and relate to one another when we share our stories. My name is Amelia Old, and I'm your host of Voices of Inspiration. Join me as I share stories of friends, family, and strangers from my everyday life and travels. You will laugh, possibly cry, but walk away feeling connected more than ever to those around you and ready to be the change our world needs. Everyone has a story to tell. What's yours? Welcome to another episode of Voices of Inspiration, where we feature remarkable people who inspire us around the world. In this episode, I'm excited to introduce Kevin Stark, an accomplished artist and entrepreneur based in Chickasaw and Paws Valley, Oklahoma. As the owner of the Toy and Action Figure Museum, Kevin has created a unique attraction that draws visitors from all over the world. With over 13,000 figures, the museum has been voted the best new attraction in the state of Oklahoma making it a must-see destination for anyone interested in toys and pop culture. In addition to his work with the museum, Kevin is also a talented cartoonist, portrait painter, sculptor, toy designer, musician, photographer, and producer. He has worked on well-known toy lines such as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Simpsons, and The Mask, and is currently working on his daily comic strip, Geezer. Join us as we explore Kevin's creative journey, learn about his passion for art and humor, and discover what inspires him to keep pushing the boundaries of creativity and entrepreneurship. Whether you're an artist, entrepreneur, or just a fan of pop culture, this episode is sure to inspire you. So you founded the Toy and Action Figure Museum in Paws Valley, Oklahoma, and it's the only museum of its kind in the world. What inspired you to start this museum? And what do you think has been like the most rewarding aspect of it? Well, I was a massive toy collector and the city of Paul's Valley had gotten together a lot of the citizens and some of the city were leaders. They were trying to plan the growth of Paul's Valley for the next 10 years. And this was called uh, Vision 2010. Okay. So this happened in the year 2000. And the things they identified of wanting in Paul's Valley, they wanted a theater group, they wanted a arts and cultural center. And then they said, well, we'd like to have unique tourist attractions in the downtown area. And I joked with one of the committee members and said, I'm the unofficial tourist attraction of, of the town because news stations would come and do stories on the fact that I designed toys. And the fact that I had this massive toy collection. And so they would show that on TV. And so complete strangers would come and knock on my door and say, can we come in and see the toys? And I was like, well, I'm in here working, but yeah, come on in, you know? <laughs> and so I, I just joked that I was the unofficial tourist attraction. And, and one of the members said, went back to the committee and said, Kevin Stark's going to donate all of his toys to a toy museum. I said, no, I didn't say that. And, well, I, I will loan you my toys. So we put a group of people together and I kind of headed that up because, you know, I was the one with the toys and knew about toys. And so it took us about five years to get open because we didn't have a building big enough that was available in the downtown area. And this building, which is 7,000 square feet, came available. It had been a department store for 75 years. And it went out of business. We rented it, eventually bought it. And 
turned the whole place into the toy and action figure museum. That's so, amazing. And you have like over 11,000 figures, right? Over 13,000 figures. Wow. <laughs> so it, and it continues to grow. So incredible. What's your favorite uh, figure? Well, I'm a big collector of Batman. Okay. So we, we had a bat cave here that just had nothing but Batman in it. And we pulled all that out oh, about a year ago and put in Star Wars instead. So we, we have so many action figures and toys, we can't show everything that we have. Mm-hmm. And so we have two more buildings that, that I have that are just full of toys. And they're just not on display. They're just in storage. So we periodically trade stuff out so that we keep the place fresh. And if you come back, you get to see something totally new and different. So That's really cool. Now, you started, I read that you started at an ad agency when you were 15. Is that kind of what led to this? Well, that that led to, I've always done art. Uh, My dad told the story that when I was four years old, we, he and I were watching a show about Michelangelo and that I was laying on the floor watching this show and that when it was over, I turned to him and said, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and so I've just always done art. And at 15, I started working at this ad agency. And by the time I was 18, I was over the art department. So that is what started my commercial art career. And then I went to college and studied fine art. And so I do both. But that led to me designing toys, which led to me collecting even more toys. Now, you have designed toys for a lot of the popular franchises. What is your process for creating a design that accurately represents a character? Well, a toy company will buy the rights to create a toy line based on, say, a television cartoon or a movie or whatever. And as a designer, you know, you're charged with the task of turning sometimes a two-dimensional character into a three-dimensional character. So you have to draw the front view, the side view, the back view, you know, and those drawings go to a sculptor. So a lot of times you're drawing stuff based on the show And so you have to stick to what the characters look like. Uh, But a lot of times we're able to do new characters and come up with different things, different characters that haven't appeared. And that for me is the fun part. Is there a particular franchise or character that you haven't worked with that you would like the chance to? Well, yeah, I mean, sure. I'd love to work with Batman. You know, I haven't done that. See, I work actually with a company and we work with lots of different, more smaller, more independent toy companies. People like Hasbro or Mattel, they have a staff that's just uh, comes in every day and draws Batman, you know, or they come in every day and draw Star Wars stuff, you know. So we work freelance. And so I work for companies in Italy and Australia and France and, you know, plus America. Which I prefer because I like working by the project as opposed to going in and punching a clock and doing the same thing every day. So, I can, no. I can relate to that. <laughs> I like the finality of it. It's like, oh, okay, we're done with that. Let's do something else, you know. 
Now, can you tell me about your project, Geezer? Geezer is a 79-year-old superhero. So my father used to think it was based on him, but it's actually based on me. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's really, it's just me as a 79-year-old. And the older I get, or I can relate to it. He's, he's a 79-year-old superhero. And he was a daily comic strip and all. And then I did a graphic novel of him. And then I have a lot of other characters and comics I'm working on now, which will be put all together in an anthology. So I've got, oh, at least eight more comics I'm working on. So now you have a diverse range of skills and interests from toy design, music, photography. How did you discover your passion for these various art forms? And how do you balance that? Well, for me, it's all creating, okay? If you're a creative person, you generally don't limit yourself to one thing. To me, it's just exploring my creativity in different mediums. And I, I don't find that to be particularly strange or different. It's just all creating, you know? And however I feel like creating, like I'm also four other artists, okay, that have vastly different mediums and vastly different styles. And someone asked me the other day, well, how do you decide who's going to be, who you're going to be that day? I was like, well, it's just however I feel, you know, it's like, it's like anything. I mean, well, I feel like Mexican food today, you know, or something, you know, it, it's not a hard choice to make. <laughs> if I feel like just like one, one character, one artist does birds. She, she does very lifelike, beautiful paintings of birds. But another artist does thunderstorms at night, which are more abstract. And so if I feel like just pushing paint around and being more free with it, then I'll be that character. But if I feel like getting down and being really tight and, and painting realistically, then I'll be the other character. So, you know, it's just how I feel at the time. I love that. And I mentioned to you before we started the interview that I haven't met anyone else that I related to in this aspect because, you know, very much with my own life and, and my own work, I've always had different outlets as well. And I've always said, but they, at the end of the day, they all connect. You know, I work in casting and production of TV film. And then mm -hmm. I, I do this podcast and talk about travel and things like that. So, and I'm also in school as an adult learner. People say, well, how do you do all of it? And I'm like, well, same as you. It just depends on the day. Like, and, and at the end of the day, we, it, it's not a, a typical nine to five where you just clock out and you often put in more right. hours, but, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but yeah, it's worth it because it's not always like work. Right. It's like fun. It's fun. Mm -hmm. it's fun. Enjoyable. The funny thing about me is that people come here to the museum and if they meet me here or whatever, they think this is my job. Well, this is not my job. You know, this is my, you know, donation to the city. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't get paid here and I just, you know, I come in here, I make sure everything's working and, and doing well, but it's not my job. And if they, they walk on down to the, my gallery and they see all the stuff in there that I've done, they're like, holy cow, how, how do you have time to do all this? And I say, well, it's all I do, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. and, and they find a totally different, you know, person down there than is what is here. So, you know, I don't know. 
I think it's fun. <laughs> it, I, it makes me think of something you said in an interview that I watched on YouTube. You said, seek out what you love and make that your work. And I, I think that's yeah. so true. The difference between me and a lot of other people is they haven't figured out what they want to do. You're absolutely you know? right. Mm-hmm. So you just have to find out what you love and love it <laughs> and do it. <laughs> And I, and I think for people like you and I, we have a lot of things that we love. And I know when I was growing up, they were you were taught to pick one thing and that's it. And you graduate and you go do that for the rest of your life. And right. three children, two of them are adults. And I'm like, yeah, but do you really know what you want to do forever at 18? Like one thing? Like that's really a tough decision. Well, the day... The, the days of working in a factory or whatever all your life and retiring are over. Absolutely. You know, but mm-hmm. you're not guaranteed that even the company will survive that long. So true. So you should find what you love to do and, and try to do that, you know. Absolutely. So. Now, the museum has been recognized as, as a top attraction in Oklahoma. How has it impacted the community and how has it been received by visitors from around the world? Well, visitors, we've, we've been open for 17 years, so it has impacted the town quite a bit in a positive way, and we have visitors coming year-round, so it's been a great thing for the community. The restaurant next door loves us, you know? so it, it's been a very positive impact on the community, but being a nonprofit and all, it's always a struggle, always trying to find funding and this and that, but, but that's the crazy part. But the people who visit really literally have been here from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And I now have friends in Australia and Germany and several other countries, as well as other far off states, just because of this place. You know, I've met people here that, in fact, my friend from Australia is visiting me next month. That's <laughs> so, exciting. Uh, yeah, it is exciting. And, and uh, you know, it's the opportunity to have a place where people can come and talk about this stuff. And, and not feel nerdy or whatever, you know, it's like, oh no, you know, you're in the safe place here. So we can talk movies and comics and characters, superheroes and all that business. And, and, and it's fun, you know, there's no judgment here. (laughs) What has been your favorite story or interaction that you've had with a visitor that's been particularly memorable? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it is. This is a lot of work. And like I said, it, I don't get paid for it. And sometimes you kind of question, is it worth all the work? Okay. But one day this four-year-old kid ran up to me and he said, this is the best day of my life. And I was like, okay, it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I got goosebumps. <laughs> You're only four years old, but okay. That, so, so, and you know, I've had adults tell me that who are collectors and they're so happy to get to come in and, and kind of see toys from their childhood and things like that. And they're like, wow, we're so happy that you have done this and that you've got this going and that we can come and visit. And so, yeah, it's worth it. So those are the stories that help make it worth it. That so. is a big deal. <laughs> Because four yeah. years are opinionated. Well, it's so funny too because I I used to have some lightsabers in here and I'd pull them out and I would duel with some of the visitors and 
and I was dueling with another little kid. I mean, he was four or five years old, but, and so we're dueling and he stops and he goes like, he would, Oh, you force on me, huh? You know, so he was doing the Darth Vader thing. I was like, this is so cool. This is so much fun. I mean, I just love the people and, and love meeting new people. And this gives me the opportunity to do that. So. How has the community influenced your art and how have you contributed to the community through your work other than the museum? I'm kind of allowed that uh, ability to be, you know, offbeat and weird because they think, oh, that's just Kevin, (laughs) you know? I get a free on a lot of stuff. You know. They expect uh, it. <laughs> yeah, they they expect it. It's like, oh, well, that's no problem. You know, that's just Kevin, you know. And I was the chairman of the board of the local arts council and helped them bring artists in and, and bring entertainers in. Because I know a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, they wanted an art walk. And I suggested they do a fifth Friday art walk. And they were like, what's that? I said, well, we can't really do an art walk every month. You know, being a small town, it's really difficult to do that. I said, but there are four months out of the year that have five Fridays. Okay. So you just do the fifth Friday art walk, and then you only have to do an art walk four times a year, you know. And so I would bring in entertainment because we wanted the, I wanted the art walk to be totally different from other art walks. So we had, um, you know, fire breathers and, jugglers and but we'd also have a mariachi band performing with belly dancers you know things like that so really offbeat stuff you know that's really great what do you think makes paul's valley a special place to live and work well all right we are right between tulsa oklahoma and dallas texas we are two and a half hours one way and two and a half hours the other way so that puts us right in the middle. We're on the interstate 35. We're just an hour from Oklahoma City. So we're very conveniently located. Also, weather wise, there's a slight mountain range south of us. And so we don't get a lot of the bad weather that other parts of the state get. I'm not telling too many people that though, because I don't want them all to move. <laughs> but we're pretty lucky as far as the weather goes. And it's a fairly progressive community, you know, considering you're in Oklahoma. There are a lot of artists here, a couple of galleries, art galleries, things like that. So overall, it's a really nice place to live. It's very easygoing. I've had many opportunities to move to Los Angeles. In fact, they keep saying, why are you not in Los Angeles? And I'm like, well, do you want to live in Los Angeles? They were like, well, no. I said, well, well, neither do I. And about the small town life is it, I don't have a lot of distractions. So if I lived in LA or New York, which I do work in both, uh, uh, I, I would be like, oh, well, there's a concert tonight. Oh, and there's a play opening and, there, and there's an art opening and there's a museum to go to. I, I wouldn't get any work done. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have any time to do what you needed to do. <laughs> right. And here it's, it's such an easygoing pace. I really like it. It's quiet. It's nice. And, and the real estate's inexpensive. So whenever I run out of room, I just buy another building. So, you know, it's very handy. Now, with the Chickasaw's cultural heritage, 
Have you tried to capture any of their unique characteristics in your artwork? I have done work with the Chickasaws. We worked on a possible action figure line at one time. And so we were going to do that, but things didn't pan it out. But, you know, we may end up picking it up again later. But the museum here, we're in talks to try to do a display. Uh, a lot of times when you go to a museum and you see like Native American displays, it's all about the weapons or the cooking utensils or whatever. And I'm like, well, what about toys? I said, do they have toys? You know, come on, they had to have something that the kids like. So we're trying to work on something that would depict the, the, what the, what children played with, you know, uh, through the tribes. So that's, that's really cool. And what are some of your favorite hidden gems in the Chickasaw and Paws Valley area that you would recommend to visitors who are looking to do something? different off the beaten path? Well, Chicksaws have a lot of great stuff. They've got the Bed Ray Chocolate Factory, which is really nice. It started here. Uh, they built a building, but they immediately found out that they didn't build a big enough building. And then they built a larger facility down in Davis, which is just about 20 miles south of here. And that's, that's a pretty cool thing. The Chickasaw Recreational Area is nice. Uh, it has uh, the Turner Falls, or no, I'm sorry, not Turner Falls. Little Niagara is what it has. It has like the oldest water anywhere. So if it's like, you know, 100 degrees in July, you, you might want to dive into that. So they've, they've done a lot of stuff all over the area. The Chickasaws have, but there are other things to see too. Turner Falls area is really nice and things like that. The mountain range, the Arbuckle Mountains, which are not very tall mountains, but geologists have said that they feel they're older than the Rockies because a lot of the rocks and stuff you find on the surface here are deep inside the Rockies. So, so it's not very tall, but a lot older. Yeah. yeah. What? advice would you give to aspiring artists or entrepreneurs looking to pursue their passions? Well, what I tell young people who come to me and say they want to make a living in art, I say, well, you better diversify. Okay. You better be able to do a lot of different things because when I have people come into my shop wanting things, I, I can do anything they want. Okay. And uh, if they, they want particular artwork, I can do that. If they want logos, I can do that. I can design brochures for them. I can do all kinds of stuff. And if I can't do it, I know who can. So I may farm out something to someone else. But like I said, I, I know the people. And so I say, if you're going to make a living at this, don't hone in on just one thing. The, the biggest problem I find with young people is they come in, they say they want to to make a living at art, but they can't show me any art. I was like, well, where's your art? Well, I gave it all away. I said, well, you know, you can't give it all away. <laughs> I said, because people got to see whether you can do the work or not, you know? And so I said, you've got to do work. You have to have a lot of work to show and it better be finished work, not just ballpoint pen on notebook paper. You know, it better be finished artwork. I have a student now who, um, and I, and I do private students every now and then who he's really, really good 
He's a he's a great artist and he's young. He's just 16, but he needs to clean up his work. He needs hadn't done anything finished. And so we're working on that now. That, that's what I tell him. And and you got to get out of your studio. You know, I mean, it's it's a sad thing. And I know a lot of artists. It's doing art is a very solitary thing. OK, and you don't have to work with anybody. You just do it all by yourself in your own little hidey hole. And that's great and wonderful. But if you're going to sell it, you, you got to step out of that studio and you got to be able to talk to people. So people have know. to know who so you they, are. I, yeah, they got to know who you are. And, and so you have to develop that ability to talk about your art and talk about what you do, you know? So, and that's probably the hardest thing for a lot of artists because a lot of my artist friends are very introverted. Fortunately, I don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> my youngest daughter, she likes to do artwork and she's also an actress. And when I told her that I was meeting with you today and I told her a little bit about you and, and your background, she said, this is one episode I think I'm actually going to listen to. <laughs> oh, well, fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you've sold her. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> who or what has been the biggest source of inspiration in your life that's influenced your work and all of these different outlets? Well, there have been local artists. There was one particular artist, Bert Seaburn, who was from Purcell, which is just 20 miles north. When I was 16 years old, I had an art class with him. He, he taught me. And he just passed away a few months ago at the age of 90, 91, I think. And all my life, ever since from 16 on, he was a big supporter of what I was doing and encouraged me to do work. And, and so he was a big influence. And Ho-Ho the Clown was a big influence. <laughs> Ho-Ho was local TV clown, okay? And when I was eight years old, he showed one of my pieces of art on his show. And, and I was watching the show and, and thought, and I was like blown away. It's like, wow, <laughs> you know, piece of my art got on television. Growing up, I never won any art awards or anything. In fact, my father and I went to a local art show that the local art guild put on. And this was when I was in third grade. And I had done this large, elaborate drawing of a peregrine falcon. And so we were looking at it, and I didn't get anything. I didn't get honorable mention or anything. And uh, my dad and I were looking at it, and, and uh, this one of the art guild ladies saddled up to him and said, we don't think this little boy did this. We think his father or somebody helped him do it. And my dad was like, no, that little kid did it. <laughs> and it was like, at first I was insulted. But then it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. They think an adult did that. So that was a big influence, you know? So even though I didn't win anything, I kind of did win something. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the TV clown because, you know, I grew up with have there were local TV clowns on as well. And you might see them at the local Jack's restaurant or, or whatever on a weekend and now, all the days, that, that doesn't exist. Like, you don't have anything like that. So. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to change that, see? Because even though I, I have different artist characters, I also have a clown character. So Really? A lockjaw, the tetanus clown. 
What's been the biggest challenge you've faced in in your journey and how did you overcome it? Well, I'd say the biggest challenge is I'm not motivated by money. Okay. I'm motivated by challenges and and I don't I don't mark success with money. I mark success is are you getting to do what you want to do? And so that's how I, I gauge success. But the sometimes the lack of funding, uh the lack of money keeps you from doing some of the cool stuff you could do. So I'm an artist that's not opposed to selling art. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but just having the, enough money to do what you want and to actually do more stuff for your community and for other artists, things like that. I'd say funding is the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. So, what's next for yeah. you? What's next for me? I, I'm thinking of running for president. Uh, I'll be your campaign manager. <laughs> okay. Well, I've created a new mythology called Starkology. And it's like Greek or, or Roman mythology and everything has a god or a goddess. So like there's the god of coffee and there's the god of washers and dryers and well, there's the goddess of houseplants, <laughs> things like that. So I'm working towards putting out a book, like a coffee table book of that. We just put out a set of cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you get these 50 cards of the gods and goddesses and on the back it tells about them and things like that. So we're trying to expand the media on that, you know, and have a lot of different things. I'm hoping for a line of action figures also for those. So that's kind of one of the things I'm working on now. I'm I'm also illustrating a children's book right now for an author out of New Orleans. The pop artist I am, Red Kittens, has a whole line of paraphernalia that he sells. So I'm always trying to produce some of that. So yeah, I've got lots, lots of stuff going on. So what has been your favorite line that you designed for? Favorite? I would probably say what I did for Toonsylvania, mm-hmm. which was a Steve Spielberg project, because we designed the whole toy line for that. And so everything from plush toys to wind ups to action figures to play sets. So that was a lot of fun. And Toxic Crusaders was pretty cool too. So they, I don't know if you remember the old Toxic Avenger movies, mm-hmm. but they took the Toxic Avenger, which was an R rated movie, and turned it into a kid's property. The way to get around to getting a different audience. I just, I didn't understand it, but you know, you think, well, don't you think these kids are going to stumble onto the movie <laughs> at some point? Where can our listeners find you online? My website is kevinstarkart.com. That's K-E-V-I-N-S-T-A-R-K-A-R-T.com. And that has all my music and art and the different artists I am and uh, the comics, all that kind of fun stuff on it. So I ask everyone that comes on this question, and you've already given me quite quite a few nuggets, but... Do you have a favorite quote or words of wisdom that you would like to leave behind for our listeners? Do it. Do it now. (laughs) Don't wait. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) If you go back and talk to my younger self, knowing what I know now, I'd say, well, you know, don't start so late. You'll get out there and do some stuff. Mm -hmm. The older you get, the harder it is. 
you know, sometimes to do what you want to do. So, oh, true. You know, I just heard my donkeys in the background. I apologize. They are braying (laughs) at me. You have donkeys? I have many donkeys. (laughs) They're donkeys, not burros. No, they're many donkeys. So they're half the size of the standards and they can see me through my office window. And they like to uh-huh. stand at the fence line and look through my window at me like, come right. beat us again. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, I thought I had trouble with cats, but, you know. <laughs> I've got those too. <laughs> I lived that life for a while. I lived on a farm for a while and we had horses and big dogs and cats and pigeons and chickens and parrots and and I thought as a kid, I was never allowed to have a pet. So I thought, well, when I get to be an adult, I'm going to have a whole bunch of pets. <laughs> I didn't want a whole bunch of It's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't have a regular schedule. Pets need a regular schedule. So oh, true. when I can, it all want to be fed first, you know, because mm-hmm. I'd be wanting to eat myself. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want a lot of pets. I, live on a farm and you know i don't want to chop wood in the middle of winter nope nope see that's part of finding out what you really want and what you really don't want exactly (laughs) exactly i i like that we're close to the city now that work is back semi back to normal i'm like that's a lot to balance because you know it's like hey yeah all this free you know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I was so excited to meet with you. I just think you're so fascinating. And I was excited to meet someone else that has a brain that works the same as mine and, and thinks it perfectly <laughs> normal. There are very few of us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that you think it's perfectly normal to have all of these different avenues and different outlets. And, and I do too. And I love that. And I appreciate that. And so I think that's great. Thank you very much. Trying to meet with me today. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Anytime.